Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making time for this. I know it's pretty late for you, so I appreciate it. That's all good. Nice to see you. Yeah, well, thank you. So I've talked to a lot of people who know you guys pretty well, and what they've all told me is you need to talk to Jordan. He's Bring the Horizon's secret weapon. So for anybody who maybe knows you, I know you're a modest guy, so you'll say, oh, no, that's not true. But it's not for true. anybody... <laughs> Anybody who maybe only knows you for, you know, playing keyboards or or whatever, how do you kind of look at your role in the band? I know you're credited as, as producer on, I think, all the <clears throat> albums since you've joined. Yeah. Well, me and Ollie on yeah. the, for the production stuff. So, yeah, I guess, um, well, obviously live it's keyboards or, or whatever, you know, but in terms of uh, what I spend most of my time doing, it's kind of work. It's really like whatever ollie it's his vision for the most part for the band i would say um so it's whatever i mean it's whatever he wants to do i'm i'm there to to try and enable really really to be fair i mean obviously i have my own ideas but yeah but in terms of like his mind is just very different to mine so yeah i guess i guess music it's it's writing music and and production um you know, recording his vocals. Well, it kind of just depends on whatever, yeah, whatever we're missing at any given time. So, yeah, everything really from from the inception of a song through to, you know, I don't mix the songs because I don't need to. But and I'm right. not, and I wouldn't. And there's obviously people around us who are better than me. But yeah, it's it's generally just a musical. I don't guy. know. Musical guy, yeah. So it's, it's yeah. just what it's changed on different albums, to be fair, but it's always writing. Um, since I've been in the band, I've always been involved in the writing. Um, and yeah, and, and the production, to be fair. So yeah, writing and producing is the main thing. And then the live stuff, you know, I'm just a band member from, from that point. And I'm not really much of a player, particularly of any instrument. So the, the live thing is, you know, it's not my, I enjoy it, but it's definitely not. There's the other guys in the band are much better musicians than me in terms of playing. And you originally came in just kind of to do keyboards and then it ended up evolving into more. Is that right? Um, so I came in, my, my first thing was to, to, to help with electronics, I guess you would call it. Cause they'd had, uh, they'd had elements introduced elements on the last couple of albums and more so on the, on there as a hell, there was, quite a bit of orchestral kind of stuff. And yeah. then there was, there was some Skrillex stuff as well. 
on that record. So, and and they had another guy um, whose name I don't remember. They had just a couple of random people. So um, I was in a band. I was in my own band, and and it was the just through chance, really. Ollie was a fan of the band. Kind You're of. You're talking about worship or yeah. something else. Okay. Yeah, worship. Yeah. So it was just a. It was just a kind of fun. Well, I wouldn't even call it fun, really. It was just. <laughs> it was just my project. You know what I mean? But no one really cared, to be honest. So it was. It was just a weird thing we had. You know, no one really at our shows. But then the singer of this band really liked us. So, I mean, there was he came to see us play a bunch of times. Like you know, and there were times when it was just honestly five, five to ten people when he was there. So it was, it was weird because it was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Super weird. <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing, really. Yeah. But, um, like, I wish it, you wouldn't come to our show. This is weird. Yeah. But I mean, I, I thought it was cool because he loved it regardless. You know what I mean? So he'd, he'd be really buzzing off it, even though, <clears throat> even though it was kind of a, there was I mean, no at a certain point, you don't care. You know, like if you were to go see a band, you wouldn't care whether there's 10 people or 10,000 people there. I think if, if it was something I really loved, I'd think it was cooler if there was no one else there. It's like a private yeah. show, isn't it? So, right. Um, but yeah, he just, he actually just kind of came across us randomly on Facebook. Someone, someone posted it on, when, this is back when people were on Facebook. And really quick, before we go any further, have you checked out my Patreon? Patrons get early access to all my main channel videos and my podcasts. I also do giveaways sometimes. For example, I just gave away a pair of these Eargasm earplugs. And if you want me to review your music, there's a way to do that as well. All you gotta do is join at the $10 and up level, then every month I do a call for submissions. If you want me to review something, all you gotta do is drop it in the comments of that post, then I will review it live on Twitch and post it on Patreon for everyone to see. So if that sounds cool, hit the link in the description of this video and I appreciate your support. Um, right. A friend of his posted it and he saw one of our videos, I think. And this was, you know, I think he just like got into it from there. And then, uh, you know, we, we were in contact a little bit and he started coming to shows and, and then eventually, eventually uh, he said, Oh, you know, would you, would you want to come up and work on, work on our stuff a little bit? And I was like, yeah, you know, like I didn't really jump at it to be fair. Cause I, I just didn't, I was kind of still wanting to do my own band, to be honest. So I was like, right. that's cool. You know, I'm... but then, uh, he asked me again and I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll do it. So, uh, just went up to Sheffield. I'd never been to Sheffield before. It's, it's a different part of the country. Um, and just sort of started working on stuff with them. And it just, it, mostly with Ollie to be fair. And it just went really well. So then it was, it was just weird. At first it was weird because we had a lot in common, you know, so we, we similar age, you know what I mean? We're basically the same age. So there was a lot of, a lot of the bands we grew up listening to were the same. Um, so there was that. And then it was just like, we had a lot in common. Um, and, and it was going, and the music was going really well. We, we, we were made, I mean, the first thing we made, we made some paternal basically in those, in, in right. those two, three months with, you know, it's pretty much. But then it was, the weird thing I remember is, Cause I didn't know much about the band, you know what I mean? Cause, mm -hmm. cause I was, I was into new metal when I was like 15, 16 up to maybe when I was like 17, 18. And then I kind of went to live in London and I was like into electronic music and it was, right. I had, like a, I kind of had a, I still listened to it in a kind of 
this is the shit I grew up listening to kind of way. But you're but not I'm, like a scene kid. I wasn't, yeah. no, I wasn't keeping up with like the next generation of that, yeah. that kind of thing. So bring me kind of fell just after that. I, I knew the name, but you know, it was not, I was not buying Kerrang when I was 18, 19. You know right. what I mean? I would, I'd moved on from, from that kind of thing um, or in my head. You know what I mean? Obviously not. But um, so yeah, I knew the band, but I didn't realize, you know, I didn't really know their back catalog that well, if I'm honest. Um, so that's probably uh, a good thing I would imagine for this kind of role, because, you know, you, you guys are not a band that stays in one place. Well, I mean, that was my main, that was the main thing I kind of was surprised by was that there was, there was pretty much zero regard for anything that had been before whatsoever. I mean, I was probably the person, and I'm not, at this point I wasn't even in the band. And I would say I was the person who was most concerned about what we were making. You know what I mean? Cause I was kind of like, yeah. you, you know, this it seems like your fans are going to really dislike this music, <laughs> right. but, but they just, he was just like, I don't care. Basically that was the general vibe. And to be fair, all the other guys were the same. And I was like, well, we like it. So fuck them. So I was like, okay, well, we'll just go with it. And, um, and then we, we, we made, a, we made a load of music without really any vocals, which I think was a, a, a weird part of the process as well. We, we kind mm -hmm. of, made a bunch of instrumentals without particularly thinking about what the vocals were going to do. And then, and then we started to, to, to chip away. We started to try and do vocals and it was, that was the kind of, I would say the real point where it was like, cause Ollie was screaming. We were, we were trying screaming and he was like, Oh, I just, it feels like a disappointment for the song. I think, I guess to, right. to just have screener, you know, like on some of them songs, like, can you feel my heart? It's a very melodic song. And, to, and he was like, I really want to sing. Um, and he couldn't sing. He'd never sung before. He was right. tone deaf, to be honest. I mean, I have said this before. He said it, but it, but it's actually true. You know, he, he really couldn't sing at all. Um, he'd never tried. Um, so, and I think because I'd worked in like recording studios as well, and I'd, I'd run my own studio for quite a few years. So I had quite a lot of experience in working with people who couldn't sing. Mm -hmm actually like a lot of local bands would come through and they, you know, yeah. they're, they're doing like a day or two session and they want something that sounds good. Yeah. So, so I had kind of my own learned experience of how to coach. And that's like a, a whole thing because, you know, with vocalists, it's so much about being in the right place psychologically and feeling confident and good. You know, it's like coaching a vocalist as a producer is almost being like their psychologist. A little bit. It's a combination. It's like psychologist, but it's also, being confident enough to, to, to keep to, for me, it's like, it's a lot of a being. So I'm seeing at mm -hmm. them until, until they give me what I think it should be or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then it's tricks as well, you know, like knowing all the things you can do to make, you know, how you can layer mm -hmm. things to make them sound good, how you can, how you can tune things, how you can edit between. Right. So at the beginning it was to be fair, it was quite edit heavy because all he wanted it to sound really good but he knew he was reaching a little bit beyond what he could, what he could do. But obviously since then, it's just a whole different, you know, he's just gradually yeah. improved and improved and improved to the, to, to a point where I feel like it's, it's its own. You could write a study on that because it's, I don't mm -hmm. think it's probably been done that much actually. I, I, I just wouldn't have believed that you could go from borderline tone deaf to being able to, <laughs> you know, headline a festival. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Well, he's a great vocalist now. It's incredible. I mean, he was always a great vocalist, but in a different way, you know. Exactly. Yeah, he's always been a great lyricist, performer, yeah. screamer. But the the some of the heights we've achieved with 
he's achieved with his singing is just I still blows my mind to be honest because I just and I even I doubted that at the beginning when you know I just thought it's we could get it to sound half decent but I didn't think he'd ever be able to really stand on a stage and sing it properly right that's just pure pure grind and determination I would say um well sorry go ahead I mean, I'm just, I was just trying to think where I was because I've gone off on a bit of a tangent. But yeah, anyway, I mean, around that, around that time, that was that was that process. Of, that was my first introduction to the band was writing that music, and then us realizing, okay, we're going to have to have some melodic singing, and the process of Ollie starting to find his his voice, I guess. How do you look back on Sempaternal now? Because I consider that to be really kind of the defining album of that era of metalcore. You obviously had a lot of input on it um and i think the old the more time goes on the more people regard it as like a real classic how do you feel about it looking at looking back on it now i mean i think it's yeah i do think it's good it's i guess it, i guess it is really but to me because i'm i just think of all the naturally think of all the things that influenced it so it, it doesn't feel as much like a classic to me because i'm right i know where it's been stolen from in a way of course i think that's that's the kind of that's every that's every album that's every album and even classic albums they've all been inspired by other classic albums i often think of like white pony and for me white pony by deftones was like a real seminal that's their classic album that was like yeah my favorite album when i was younger and i think that's just a standalone masterpiece but i think well they've obviously there's obviously all kinds of influences and things that they've that they were listening to, but they've taken, oh, I like this riff, we should just like this or whatever. So, yeah. but yeah, I do, I do think, I mean, there was definitely a lot of bands that sounded like it after it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, Still are. Yeah, but yeah, it's just a, it's not a perfect record in terms of, it's not a perfect record in any sense of the word, you know what I mean? So I guess that's part of its charm and its character. What, what would you say is not perfect about it? Because to me, it sounds very polished. It's just, there's just odd things on there. It's just, to me, it's, it's, there's just some odd decisions, but it's, but I guess that's what makes it interesting, really. You know, so, are you talking not, little things like, oh, we did this double here or like that? Kind no, of just thing? like some of the songs when you get into the deeper cuts on the album, are just, they just go off on sort of tangents that is not somewhere I would naturally go with a song now. But I guess at the time, right. we, were like, we were, you know, everyone's like, fuck it, this sounds cool. So, and it's, it's hard to get that back because it's almost yep. like, I think as you as you move on in your career, you you sort of like refine and refine and refine, and it's sometimes you've got to actually work to inject some of that looseness back in, so you're not just bo- you can box yourself into like the perfect song, the perfect song, and it starts to yeah become, right, and it gets it can boring. Start to, it can, can start to get boring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very hard to get that feeling back of sort of. Not to say that you guys were stumbling around back then, but it was, in that's general, that, is, that is how it felt a little bit. Yeah, it was a bit. It was just like a bit of like it kind of had the feeling of like, well, there was no bar. It was just let's just do the best we can. And Whereas, you're new to the to the team. I wasn't in the band, so for me, it's like I don't care anyway. <laughs> right? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I want to make it cool, but like, I, there's no pressure. Album, not mine. There's no yeah. pressure on me at all. So. Right. Yeah, I didn't really feel anything. I was I was into it. I was like, oh, you know, halfway through, I was like, this is cool. But I think it was one of those things where Ollie saw it before me, which is often the way, to be fair. He was like, this is going to be mm-hmm. really big. And I was like, okay, cool. 
you know like it's i, I was proud of it i was like this is this these are cool tunes and and there's definitely and as it went on i was more and more like okay it's 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 good but yeah he he really knew that it was going to be good and i think he felt like he felt like if it's really strong then it doesn't matter if it's a complete change of vibe for the band because the strength of it will just carry it beyond anything they've done before which has been the case for the band since the very beginning i mean i've talked about this in a million videos you guys keep doing taking these crazy risks that everybody thinks are insane at first and then they realize actually this is fucking cool and they come around and so that's kind of his vision of just being willing to put your balls out on the table yeah but i mean i feel like an exhausted passenger in that process because i'm like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm like a nervous anxious person person so like every time i'm like oh come and i'm just like happy with with a good song here and he's like no we need to do something he's like come in with some crazy idea right like oh here we go again like i just wanted sometimes (laughs) i just wanted you know i just want to do something normal Um, right but like really he's the i'd say he's the person who is always pushing for something and if it's and if a song's just like a song it's very rare that it's enough for him it needs to, he just wants to keep mm-hmm. pushing to find something different or um especially lyrically he's like he'll dig around i'm fine with like generic i'm not a lyrics guy particularly yeah i'm just like if if the lyrics sounds nice to me i'm like i love that line whereas he's like he's always looking for real it has to mean something to him and it's got to be clever and he likes the wordplay and he'll spend hours working on a line um, so he's just really, really dedicated to everything being better than what we've done before in some way. So obviously with our band, it's, it, everything's like, we change a lot. So not everything is going to appeal to everyone, but sure. we're always trying to do what we do as well as we can. So if we're going to, if we're going to do a project where we're going to do a certain type of genre or try and do a certain style of music, he wants it to be the best song ever made in that genre that's the that's the level and it's just like you know it's i'm just like okay i'll try, <laughs> I'll try to do my best well, to, to assist in that you mentioned that at the beginning you kind of didn't want to be in the band because you wanted to do your own thing obviously you changed your mind at some point how do you feel about being that kind of passenger because a lot of people you know wouldn't be cool with that i mean there's i I'm, i feel privilege to be fair to 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 be in a band with someone like that because it's you know we've worked with other people and stuff and it's just very rare that you find someone who has that that um like otherworldly creativity you know it's just like weird ideas that you don't really know where they come from yeah so it's 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 good and bad it it, it can be exhausting because i'm because it's just on such a different level to how i think um yeah. and the i and sometimes music you know if you, i'm very much in the computer world so I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at my screen and I'm kind of crafting, I guess. And then sometimes Ollie will go, okay, I've, I've taken the vocal from the song that we've, we've been working on it for a couple of weeks. I put it over some other, it's an entirely different thing. It's like, we should, maybe we should take it in this direction. I'm just like, oh. you know, it's like, okay. But he's, he just, the boundaries of what, for me, if I've put in a lot of time, I'm like, we're in this lane now where sometimes he'll flip it entirely or just have another idea. So it, it can be exhausting, but at the same time, it's what makes us good, in my opinion. I, th- I think I'm really good at what I do, but I don't have. There's other people who can do what I do, what I do, in my opinion. But I, I don't think I've ever met anyone 
who can do what he does or as good as he does. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've worked with some people like that and, and it is as much as I sort of don't want to admit it in those situations. I'm like, you know what? I need this person because <clears throat> they see things that I don't. And if I was left to my own devices, I would just sort of stay in this lane. And I think I'm a very good executor, but I don't think I'm the most creative person in the world. And so I need people to like really challenge me to get outside my comfort zone or else I won't leave it. Yeah, I think that's the same for me. And in terms of music, I feel like, I, you know, I understand, I, I, feel, I feel music when I'm making it. So that comes naturally to me, like how, how, a, how a melody should, should go or how a song should go. I can make music. It's just, that's my comfortable zone but in terms of like trying to elevate it to something where it's like he, he i think the way he thinks is just very he's very end end you listener mm -hmm. he can really visualize how the listener's gonna feel when they or what moment with the kind of moments so like whereas i'm just kind of in it he'll, he'll be thinking more about like okay what's going to be what's going to really blow someone's mind when they listen to it and yeah. it's almost like he's able to put himself in someone's shoes like and, we're not there yet. We got to keep going. Yeah, and so and and I think that's that's the that's the same for him across the board, not just in music. Um, it's you know even with he's kind of one of them people that I think would be useful to have. Um, this is turning into a bit of an Ollie interview, but it's hard not to. You, know, <laughs> you no, no, we're here to talk to Jordan. <laughs> but I mean, I've worked with him a lot, so obviously, it's, yeah, that is my life basically. But yeah, I think he's the kind of person who would be good to have on a team in any creative sense because he just thinks of ideas and knows how to make things hit so it's the same for our live shows you know a lot of the time he's thinking about what's going to be what's going to be really really different live or what's going to make it super immersive or it's not just playing the songs it's like trying to create elevate it so it's like some kind of experience or something well you mentioned you mentioned something that um i don't know if this is what you intended by well i'll just tell you this i'll tell you this i'll tell you my take on this and you can react to it so okay. i have an opinion that guitarists ruined metal and ruined rock in general. Meaning that to me, a lot of the genre now, what I see is people who are not really writing songs as just guitarists writing stuff to impress other guitarists with cool riffs. And they kind of lose sight of that moment you're talking about of like, wait a minute, is this actually gonna mean thing anything to people who don't play guitar? And I feel like we've lost something there. What is your thought on that? Well, I'm a sub. What what would be an example of that? I guess you can't. Well, I don't really want to. I don't want to call out any but any specific bands, but just probably ninety nine percent of <clears throat> so called progressive metalcore, like every band that rips off Architects, basically. You see. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. The thing is, though, some of that I like. So okay. it's, it's hard for me to say, but I'm a bit of a sucker for for some of that kind of okay. noodly. So I guess I'm in uh -huh. the target. I'm kind of in the target <laughs> audience. So it's hard for me okay. to say. 
Um, well, I'm interested. Tell, tell me, tell me more about that because I think you're an incredible songwriter and producer, and I'm interested. Maybe there's something I'm missing. It's just, I mean, I do. I think it's because I do. I do like music a lot, so I'm, I'm happy to just. I can just. Uh, I can just vibe with that kind of like some of that. Some of that just muso music. I, I am a sucker for. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, but I mean, it's horses for courses i guess you know different different things for different people but like um yeah i don't know what's i I honestly try not to think about like the state of rock music or sure you know that kind of thing yeah it's just i don't care well hey friends my name is zach lupiton you may know me from the band dust bowl revival but i also host a music discovery podcast called the show on the road for the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. It's my job. Yeah. I think a lot of, we get a lot of questions about that. Like, what do you think about the state of rock music and metal music? Yeah. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Could be. Is, is I mean, it it's, it's probably better that you don't think about it. I think so. Yeah. Well, I just, it's not really like, it just feels weird to talk. It feels a bit lame to talk about, oh, you know, yeah, the, the scene and the community and stuff. It's just, I just don't care particularly yeah. about, about how the, the, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. If, it's good if there's good bands and stuff, but like the, the scene is not, it's not like a, there's not like a border where you're right. either in or you're out. There's loads of band, there's loads of bands in the middle that cross over and you know. So I guess I don't think about um rock mute. I feel like it's like if we want to do a song that isn't a rock song, I don't want to feel like, oh well, I guess yeah. we are a rock band technically, but I don't feel constrained by us being in some kind of rock community. You know, I mean we've we've done all sorts of stuff. So obviously yeah. We're friends with a bunch of rock bands and we are for the most part a rock band, but it's not, um, yeah, just like trying to think too much about like the scene. I just think it's like, I'm scared of it for some reason. I mean, I think if you guys did, um, like an album that was all like orchestral music, I don't think that would be weird. So, I mean, yeah, you're obviously kind of a rock band, but not entirely. We, I mean, definitely live. I would say we're a rock band. That's that's yeah. where I feel like we're a rock band. This, the live show is a is a rock show. It's heavy and loud. And right. But um, yeah, I think we do go a bit all over. But yeah, I, I think as we've gone on now, <clears throat> at the moment we are very much a rock band right now. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, that's kind of where we are. And I think on these records we're working on, we will be for the most part a rock band. I'm not sure about the third one, but right. yeah, kind of still. <laughs> you never know. You don't, you know, I don't know, but it's yeah. I feel like at the moment we're in rock band mode, and I, it's just a 
we're just enjoying. I think for a few years, we really tried to avoid to, to do anything we could to get ourselves away from that world. Yeah. And so musically, um, especially on Ammo, was really our was really the era where we were most trying to not, you know, like the photos looked different and very pop and well, just like weird and we all look different and the 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 videos were different they they weren't very like rock videos and um you know the even the tour artwork and the posters and everything we were just really and 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 kind of the way the live production was we were just trying to do it you know we had dancers and mm-hmm. it was like you know we had these uh you know everything was trying to push us away from what we'd done before we kind of have to plant a flag and let everyone know like you know that that you've made this conscious like break from the past yeah um, it wasn't even really i don't even know why it happened really i guess we just i think we were just when we were writing the album we just felt like we had because that's the spirit was quite arena rock yeah um compared to sempaternal so it kind of felt like we'd reached a bit of a barrier there in terms of like if you go further into that territory then you are you're, you're going to be there forever and it's and it's not a creative it's not a particularly creative i like that's the spirit but it, it definitely was probably about as arena rock as i would want to go as a band you don't need to do another one <clears throat> no not particularly no so it was like okay well we can either double down on that and just release another album that's even more anthemic um but it just it just didn't feel like we could do it as we were writing it it just none of them mm-hmm. were, were getting us so then it was like i think ammo ended up being a much weirder album because because of that because we kind of felt like we'd we'd that because there's a progression there from you know metal band kind of metalcore anthemic metalcore yeah. arena radio radio rock and then and then you stay radio rock and just keep radio rock radio rock radio rock right that's the the standard playbook yeah exactly so i guess we kind of felt like okay if we take a bit of a left turn it, it wasn't even conscious decision. It was just like we we weren't liking the music we were making when when it sounded like that. So anything that sounded like uh, Linkin Park on Ammo was was kind of a no for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that that album in turn ended up being a bit different. You know what I mean? And then it opened some doors for us to be like, you know, th- I guess then it felt like then we did some then we dropped of the weird remix ep which is just like yeah complete madness Um, (laughs) yeah which i like i love that you guys did that both of those together to me that was like such a like planting that flag it's like we're not a fucking metalcore band deal with it yeah yeah i mean i I still listen to that sometimes as well and i like it It was kind of my favorite album that you guys have ever done i think it's awesome oh thanks man it was a different time for us that yeah some good how do you how do you feel about it looking back on it now i still like it i just think i think i know where we went wrong on it if there, if there was places we went wrong and i guess maybe i feel like we just we just it's a bit too it's a bit too restrained in places hmm. i feel like we could i feel like there's a couple of songs that could have not been on there i think we should here's what it is actually where we got where we were songs like nihilist blues and wonderful life and even like heavy metal um 
mantra to some extent. I feel like when we went all in on on that vibe, I feel like it was stronger. And then I think we kind of, yeah, I think we kind of wimped out a little bit and thought, you know, we there was still like we still need some songs that are catchy, catchy kind of poppy rock songs. And I feel like the project would have been much cooler if we'd just gone all in on a bonkers album. That's the only thing I would criticize it for. Because I, you know, I, I did the concept of it and and doing something that's got these weird kind of garage interludes and just it's all over mm-hmm. the place, really collagey. I think is cool. Yeah, yeah, I really like that a lot. And you know, I'm a big pop guy, so it, it's probably the most pop influenced thing to me. So I I really liked it. Yeah, um, sugar honey iced tea is my favorite Bring the Horizon song. Really, that's an that's yeah. an unusual unusual choice. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like a really good. It's it. It sounds like a poppy rock song that wouldn't be out of place, you know, in on on a. I don't know. I think of like a PlayStation sampler from 1999 or something like that. Yeah, that wouldn't yeah, be out of place. Yeah. And neither were the artwork either. And that's kind of what I really like about the vibe on that album. Yeah, the artwork for the album. Yeah. Yeah, the baggy. Yeah, thing. just all all the all the aesthetic around that album and the band at that time. Just yeah. kind of to me has that kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, definitely see that. But then, um, but then I think now we've we're kind of at a point where we're a little more happy with what we are. You know, what I mean, it's it's not necessarily a something. You know, we're not afraid to just be a rock band at times, which mm-hmm. I think is a much healthier place to be because it kind of feels like we can we can really do anything. Whereas I think in that time it was like the one thing we couldn't be was yeah what you'd expect from us whereas now it's like we can right. we can still do that right. as long as it's as long as it's not just going through the motions and just a generic song you know we can we can still sound like us on a song and that's cool i think lost is i mean that that might actually be my favorite bring me the rising song actually i really 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 like that song um because <laughs> it's exactly what you said it's sort of like you know going back to being a rock band without repeating yourselves which is really hard to do yeah I mean, it's a tough, tough song to write because it's, it's, it's emo. The chorus is emo, but then it's, it's kind of like, it's a bit of a different, the verse is a completely different vibe, really. And then, and then the kind of breakdown is, it's a a whole other thing. So I guess trying to throw all those like glitchy kind of elements in there that are another thing. Squillexy thing. So it's just trying trying to thread those things together in a short song is quite hard and make it coherent. But I think we did okay. I, I like, yeah, I'm happy with the song. I'm really proud of it. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's trying to like, I guess we've, there's always like two or three different things that we want to do on a record. So it's like, you know, hyper pop is a big influence on this one and like old emo, emo, and even like screamo is kind of like a, an influence is like how do those things is there a world where those two things kind of meet and there is definitely and it and it already exists but then it's then it's like okay well how do they exist in in a rock song at its core because you know there's kind of emo you can take hyper pop with trap beats and 808s and stuff yeah and and have someone screaming over it and there's a there's a million of those you know what i mean sure kind of um misfits 2.0 like trap beats with, with some emo sad guitar and screaming right. and that is a fusion of kind of emo screamo and hyper pop kind of elements but it's like but it wouldn't how- be that cool if you guys did that to be like oh they're doing that three years too late yeah and also we want to make some we, we you know we're 
we are a big band, so I'd, I'd you know, yeah. I'd rather make a song that's gonna that's gonna, people are gonna like ideally, and 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 so it's like trying to take that and work it into a song where someone will go, that's also good songwriting. You know, what yeah. I mean, that's a really good song. So it's like you're trying to tick quite a lot of boxes, um, and you don't know exactly know where it's gonna land. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. So like I've seen people talking about Lost, I've seen a few comments and stuff saying it sounds like so-and-so, it sounds like so-and-so. Like I've seen some people saying it sounds like falling in reverse, which is, I was not expecting whatsoever. Oh, I, I can, I, I didn't think of that, but I, I can see that why people might think that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm down for that. I love falling yeah. in reverse. One of the other questions that I'm sure you're entirely sick of, but I have to ask anyway, is of course, you know, there's this very vocal part of your fan base that wants you guys to do more. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Metal again. Um, and, uh, you know, it seemed at one point like, it was sort of like, we're never going to do that again. But then you did like with post-human survival and there's the death core medley, uh, you know, in the, in the live set, I don't know if it still is, but at one point. So yeah. how do you guys think about that stuff these days? Um, I guess we're not, I don't think anything's off limits for us now in terms of, um, yeah, I don't think anything's off limits. So that's kind of why we've, why we decided, I think we, we realized that because there were so many different things we wanted to do, doing an album, it, it made sense for us to, to try and do this different kind of, to try and limit our options a little bit 
on each record. So I think that's part of the reason why we're in this, you know, we're in a bit of a vibe for this record because we want them to be coherent mm -hmm. uh, to some extent. So, so yeah, I think, I, th I, th I think we will, there will be heavy, really heavy stuff on, even on this record. I mean, on this record, there's, there's heavy stuff to be fair, but it's just not what it's not. We're not going to release it as a single. Right. Just ideally you want your single to be something catchy. I mean, we actually might, but um, <laughs> <laughs> who, who knows? To be fair, we might. Yeah, I think we actually are. But, um, but yeah, it, it, I don't know. I'm, to be honest, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know what we're. I don't know what we're doing. Yeah, we don't know what we're doing. You know, just I, I can't tell you what we're going to make in the future. We're just making what we what we are making right now. And honestly, some of the songs you just don't really know how they're going to come out until even with a record, you can say, "Oh, we're going to make this," or "We're going to make that." Um, and with the intention of having a you know a real good balance of like super catchy songs and super heavy songs until you until you've actually made it you really don't know exactly where you're going to end up so um it's it's hard to predict and you know i, I get why i get why there's people people who would just want us to make heavy stuff because they're probably you know they're probably into heavy stuff that's fine but um there's a bunch of people also probably less vocal that would skip past a heavy song and go oh, i'm not into that so um right you know that you, you can't please that's an, another thing i think i've learned as we've as we've gone on our careers that there's really no point trying to please everyone all the time um and and that makes it easier to take criticism i think when someone's when someone says you know what is this shit you just you just realize that it's impossible to avoid that if you're going to move all over the place with different genres all the way through your career there's people are going to be put out all the time because you know they'll say oh survival horror perfect album for me love that album so they're just not going to like, then it's the next thing we do is not going to be as good for that person because we're not doing it again, or at least not immediately. We might come around in 10 years and do something similar or whatever, but yeah. that's done now. So we're going to try and do something slightly different. So, it, you know, so it keeps it fresh for us and keeps the band moving kind of thing. I mean, isn't that the place where every artist wants to be though, where you can kind of just do whatever you want and know that there's going to be this core of people that are probably going to be receptive to it in some way. Like, that seems like it's the dream. I guess so. But then I think if you're in that position and you're making that music, the dream feels like being able to just churn out the same song over and over again and not have to worry about it. <laughs> right. you know what I mean, because like when you're in the middle of it, trying to work out some kind of head fuck and how do we make this work? And you've yeah. been grinding on a song for weeks and weeks. Can't we just do another Shadow Moses? Yeah, exactly. Home? Like, we know how to do that. And just Can we just chug? So, yeah, I, I guess it's not any easier. You know, it's not like, oh, we can do whatever. It, it's not like, oh, we can do whatever we want. Our fans will lap up any old shit. Right. We still try, you know, the, 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 for us, the bar is quality, trying to write really good songs, and that never gets easier particularly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, sometimes I envy bands that can just keep doing very similar sounding records because I think, you know, it's not that hard, is it? You just go in and do more of the, more of the same. You know, your fans are going to yeah. like it. Well, why thing. don't you do it? I'm sure if you did a whole, you know, a whole EP of songs that sound like Shadow Moses, I'm sure everybody, Metalcore Twitter, would think it's the best thing in the world. So why don't you do it? <laughs> well, I mean, it's just not that exciting to me and, and to us, I don't think. And also, I, I think I do like it personally i like it when people say oh bring me you never know what they're going to do next and they're always doing yeah. different things that, that feels nice to hear that so I, I, you know it's, it is 
it is fun to 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 surprise people and keep it interesting and um it's hard work you know moving moving every time but i think i think when all is said and done i'll look back and feel good about that that we, that we were always trying to do different things and and push ourselves and stuff um and even if that's even if that means making something catchy and poppy I think some people might see that as, oh, they're not progressing. It's really hard to write a song like that. So for me, as a, for me as a songwriter and a musician, that is, if we move into that territory for a record or for a song, it's just equally as challenging. It's it's no, it's not like it's easy to write a really catchy, massive rock song. It's harder, if anything. In any genre. In any genre, yeah. So so it's not. It, and to be honest, it's the same across the board. If we, you know, on on the heavy songs on uh, survival horror, they're not easy to make them. Right. Not easy, good ones that you would say are feel fresh and you know because a lot of our songs i think are reminiscent of something like there's a there's a, there's an early influence there and then it's a, a spin on it so for example dear diary off um survival horror which is probably the heaviest track off that record it's it's really a slayer mm-hmm. it's, it's a slayer type of thrash vibe that dun, 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 the kind of stabby thing yeah so then it's kind of working out a way that we can take that and make it feel like something like it's completely not slayer um and pretty much that's pretty much the the brief for all of our songs is like take something that we like from the olden days and then and then mash it up with some other stuff and try and create something that feels like oh I've never heard that before so talking to you there's this kind of um, undercurrent of, I guess, <laughs> being tired and, uh, you know, sort of like, uh, I don't, I don't know, feeling, feeling stressed and challenged. Um, but this is what I'm giving. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> which I feel this, I feel that way all the time. So maybe I'm just like picking up on that. Um, but oh, you know, obviously you, you keep doing this. What, so what, what makes you happy? It doesn't seem like you are motivated by, you know, fans praising you necessarily like what what is it that makes you happy about all this i do enjoy the process it's it's a weird thing it's like it's like i get anxious and um stressed during the the making of it but i also enjoy it so it's i don't know what it is it's and this it's is like, every producer by the way yeah i guess the same so, yeah. as you you know you're like oh fuck how are we gonna do this this record oh my god but then when you're down you're like i fucking love this thing exactly yeah so it's it's kind of i don't know it's I mean, I, th- I think people liking the records does motivate me. Honestly, I think my personal motivation is I, I would like to have like a really, really, I'd like the band's back catalogue to be, when when it all finishes, I often think I want it to be like they didn't really have any misses. It's all good. It's mm-hmm. all moving differently. I, I'd like to be remembered as a, as a, as a classic band, as ridiculous as that sounds. Um, you know, like a bit away from the pack of everyone else so that we're, you know, and they were always pushing things and because this is the thing when I think, when I think about a lot of the bands that I really love, they all had this like um, very cyclical eras, you know, diff- different, not cyclical, but just different eras in their career. Mm-hmm. Um, so like bands like Queen, for example, you think of Queen as, when you think of Queen, when I think of Queen as a band, I, th- I think of like a big, broad Queen. It's like, because they really did everything. They started off as heavy at the time, 
rock yeah. bands, really. And then as time went on, they changed drastically so many times in different ways. You know, there was there's really 80s kind of stuff, there's pop stuff, there's there's super melodramatic, almost classical music, and it all sounds like Queen. You think mm-hmm. of it all as Queen. You can you can listen to it all. It's all it's, it's all Queen. Um and I kind of feel the same about Radiohead to some extent. And Radiohead are one of my favorite bands. And and they have that, you know, they started off as a kind of grungy Britpop band. Right. And they I mean, they had some drastic turns. It wasn't all a progression, you know, but um I like I like those. I like when you can look back and see a band have done all different things and they've always been interesting and always been worthy records to listen to. So I guess that's like my main motivation is like um getting to the end of our career whenever that may be and, and looking back and being like we never just we never got to the point where we just couldn't be asked and just phoned it in right i mean that combination of being experimental yet also high quality and keeping the fans happy those are three things that kind of don't really work together no and it's so tough but i do think that quality of the song tends to override everything. Like if the song is really good, then it will, the rest will carry through. So, you know, keeping the fans happy, I don't think it has to be the main consideration. If you're, if you, if you know what you're making is really good, it's kind of yeah. what I said earlier. So um, first and foremost, it's just trying to make something that you think, yeah, this is cool. And it feels, it feels new and exciting. And it's not exactly anything. I mean, obviously you're always going to do There's There's, so many bands out there, you know, sometimes we'll do something and I think that sounds a bit like so-and-so or whatever. So and that just happens kind of by accident, but yeah, just trying to do something different, I think. Well, I have some nerd questions, some studio questions for you, but uh, before I, before I ask you those, I want to ask you about, uh, you did the remix or I don't know what you would call it of uh, bad habits with Ed Sheeran. I don't know if that's a remix or remake or what kind you call remake. it. Yeah. Redo. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was really cool both for you guys and for him and just a big moment for, I mean, for you guys to work with one of the biggest pop artists on the planet is amazing. How did that come together and what was the process of working with him? Um, So we got an email from his management team saying um, Ed's doing the Brits, opening the Brits in two weeks to bring me, want to be his backing band that was the first email so we were like, i was with ollie in brazil at his house and the first thing was oh he was like oh i guess they just want you guys to be the band like we thought maybe right. he, they, he, they just wanted us as like set you know unknown yeah just the the five members to like be on stage and look like right. his band and to be fair we were gonna <laughs> we were gonna say yes anyway <laughs> sure even if it was, I was just like, hell yeah, I want to, I want to be in his yeah. backing band. I thought it was just like, you know, look like a, look like a keyboard player in his band. Yeah. And Ollie was like, oh, I guess I'm not going to be in it because he's going to be singing. So <laughs> maybe they just mean you guys. And we, were, we, we replied and said, oh, you know, is that what you mean? And they came back and said, no, like the actual bring me and Ed Sheeran together thing. And we were like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So then, um, then we just, they sent us through stems of the track. They said, do you want to make a version of it? So they sent us through the stems and we just, I guess, just rocked it up. You know what I mean? It actually wasn't that hard, really, to be fair. Right. I mean, the brief really, there, there wasn't much scope for doing anything too groundbreaking because it's like, 
it's his song and he's performing it at the Brits. So it needs to sound quite a lot like the song. Yeah. And then really it kind of felt like we just need to do like a, a kind of bring me light. Just like a, right. just like a, a, it's the one time where I would say we kind of just did what the, the real generic bring right. me the horizon type of thing with it, because it's obviously for an audience that. But that's what it called for. That's what it called for. Yeah. I think it's an audience that probably don't really know what we sound like. So it's like, let's just give them like a nice, uh, kind of bit of metalcore ness. Right. A bit of a, dun, 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 a little bit of that kind of stuff in there. <laughs> and it, and we, we, I guess it, when we did it, it was like, it actually kind of works. So that's, that's cool. Um, <clears throat> he liked it. We sent, we sent him the version. He liked it. Um, and then we, we rehearsed with him. He come he come to a rehearsal and that was cool and weird, surreal. Um, yeah, he just rocked up and straight in, easy. And then yeah, then we did it. We did it at the O2 Arena, and it was uh, we rehearsed the day before at the O2 Arena. So they do like a, a full dress rehearsal, and obviously we hadn't. I didn't even know there was gonna, what the production was going to be, and there was like people on those string cloth things you know like the cloths that you hang yeah. on and spin around it was like that and right. fire the yeah the twirly yeah, things the twirling things and then like 50 dancers and all this stuff and fire and um you know like benches on this on the stage like park bench like a scene it mm-hmm. was it was very different like ollie started on a bench and it was like there was some dancers kind of near him like, you know at the beginning and then they kind of walk off it was just very different um and then and then that evening, I think Ed's team were like, as, as we finished rehearsals, they were like, oh, we, you know, we, they were feeling like they were really buzzing off seeing the live thing, I think. And they're like, oh, we want to release the track on his, on his deluxe album. Do you, can, you know, do you, should we book a studio? And I was just like, well, I've got my shit. I had my stuff there because I, I, I roll with my stuff all the time just in case, Okay. in case anything needs to be done. You know what I mean? I always keep my, my stuff. So I was like, I've got my shit here if you want to just record it now. And he was like, yeah, give me five minutes. We'll just go and record it. Because obviously we'd made the version already. It was kind of already done in terms of right. we'd, we'd written it in a studio environment. So yeah, we, we just went backstage and he did two takes and that was it. Easy. I'm just, he knows the song. He sings it perfectly yeah. every time. So it was just so easy. Um, Yeah. Just, and then the next day did the performance. It was actually live on TV, which we never, we've never really done before fully live and it was opening the Brits. So it was, it was t- totally terrifying. Uh, one of the only times I've been physically shaking before before a performance. I mean, you've played arenas and stuff, stadi- stadiums before, and this yeah, was but still that's, that's ten thousand people. This is like millions. millions. This is like you know, yeah. if if we fuck it up, <laughs> right. something goes badly wrong, and the, in the opening of the Brits, like everyone I know will know. Not just yeah, like your mom's friends will see it and make fun of you. Every single person will know. Yeah. So it just felt like yeah. the stakes were really high. And also it's, I think because he'd asked us to do it, it just felt like if we, if something goes badly wrong, we'd have really let him down because yeah. it was like, you know, it was really nice of him to ask. And I just didn't personally just, you just take on that responsibility of like, I don't want this to be a disaster for his sake because I don't want to look back and be like, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah, because yeah. he vouched for you. It's like he vouched for know, us. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That's kind of feel, feels like he's in that world, and it's like bringing this, these 
smelly people Dirt in bags in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's kind of what it felt like. So I just that that made it more nerve wracking. But in the end, it was it was cool, and he was he was he's a super cool dude from from the you know small amount of time I spent spent with him. He seems so nice. Well, one of the nerd questions I want to ask you, um, you mentioned that you bring your stuff with you wherever you go, meaning your production rig of some kind. Yeah. Um, and from talking to you earlier, it, it sounds like you guys are actually able to work a lot on the road, which a lot of people say they're going to do, but most people don't. What yeah. is your what is your process for that and how do you make it work where other people may not? Um, well, over the year, I, my setup has got gradually less and less to the point where it's just a bag now i have like a rucksack and that's all i ever take really so to be honest with you i don't use i rarely even use a mic now i mean I, i'll use a mic to record ollie but like for for writing and production I, I don't even use an interface or a mic or headphones i just work on my laptop on the speakers on like the little laptop speakers um i just I'm just probably laziness and just like situations, like sometimes getting the cables out and getting your interface out is a pain. So it's just like, if that slows you down and gets in the way of the process, then yeah. maybe it's not worth it. I think it's normally, I just start, I, I kind of start and I'm like, I'll, I'll just mess with this. And I think if I, if I need my stuff, I'll, I'll get it all out. And then I'm, and then I'm in it and I'm not, I'm not really using it. So, so yes, yeah, it's, it's my, my stuff is really uh, minimal. It's pretty much just my laptop. I do have a, a little interface, have a sometimes I, I carry like a little pair of speakers if we're going to be working one set of headphones and, and, a, and a little sm7 and that's pretty much all all we actually need to make a record to be fair um right lee has his guitars on the road anyway so if we're going to track some guitar and stick it straight in um and yeah we yeah we work on we, we write on the road a lot it's pretty much all we do to be fair so um yeah most most days any days off we're we're writing so usually from on a, on a show day it's like like people will gym and stuff until lunchtime and then maybe grab some lunch and then we'll usually start we'll start probably getting into the writing about one or two o'clock we'll break for sound check and then we'll come back and carry on writing right up until show and show for us is usually like nine eight thirty nine so around eight o'clock we'll we'll kind of wrap it up depending on where we've got to sometimes if we're really like feeling it or Ollie's in the zone. He'll just keep going and going right up until like 15 minutes before the show. If he's like addicted yeah. um, and like can't, can't stop. But um, yeah. And then, and then sometimes after the show, depending on how much energy we've got, we'll, we'll keep going do a couple of hours. And it's pretty much that repeat all the time. Um, That's a long day. I saw the uh, video that you guys did with my friend Zach in the gym. Um, who's your and, friend Zach uh, Savini? No, Zach, no, Zach Tellender, when you guys were uh, working out. Oh, oh yeah, I, I, that wasn't me, that was Ollie and Matt, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was like, man, I thought these guys were going to be like party animals. They just fucking work all the time. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Ollie and Matt, do the, uh, they work out a lot too. I do like a little bit, but they're, the workout's like really important for them, so they have to get in their like proper gym time. I can just like do a little bit every other day. It's fine for me. I'm not, I'm not that uh, much of a gym guy. But That's yeah, a we, long day. You're talking about, you know, if you start working at noon or something like that, and then maybe working after the show, I mean, that's a 12 or 14 hour day. Yeah. But it's, it's not work work. You know, you can kind of jump in and out and people dip in and out a little bit. So it's not, it, it doesn't feel like it. Cause you're not like in, in the grind for yeah. that amount of time. And also on tour, we have, we have, um, Zach Savini comes out with us. Who's produced and, yeah. uh, 
he he produces with us and helps us and that that actually takes a little bit of weight off off of me so if i want to if i want to just go and do something else for a bit we're still progressing and there's still stuff being done and i really like having him out on tour actually i wasn't sure at first i was like a little bit like just because i'm i'm quite a control freak and Mm. it's kind of he's brilliant yeah he's so good yeah so that's kind of made it a lot easier for me and it's allowed me to take a little bit of a step back and and maybe come up with better ideas i feel like potentially or you know it's just like Mm -hmm. if we we get to a point and we're looking for what you know what where do we go next or something i can kind of just sit and cook something up and fire it over to him and then he'll take it so it's it's a slightly different way of working but I, i feel like the the heart of it is still the same it's just uh it's not quite so much i mean i used to be such a control freak on like that's the spirit i did had hands on everything edited all the drums went through every 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 tom hit to take out all the noise it was just like obsessive edited all the guitars all the vocals everything which i that's for anybody listening this may not be familiar like i would say it's pretty unheard of for a member of the band to be doing drum edits yeah so I mean, I, th- I feel like we pretty much han- handled everything entirely on the album and, and handed it to Dan, and then we and then we went to the mixer's place and mixed it with him over the course of like two weeks because we, you know there was such a specific um, we knew exactly what we wanted it to sound like. So yeah, it just used to be so hands on that it was it was almost too much, I would say. Yeah. Um, and now I think trying to find a little bit of a balance just so I'm not burning myself out because I'm a little bit older and I've got children and stuff. And also right. just trying to like manage, I think we've got a little bit better at like delegating, you know, so we're like, we have people who can help us, who we trust. And there's also like, we're now using other like producers for additional production and extra stuff like that. And that's, that's, that's something that I didn't think I would ever enjoy that I really, really am enjoying. Like, you know, you kind of get the song up to a point and it sounds like the song and then you, 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 you give mm-hmm. it to someone and say, give us loads of shit and they'll they'll send back a load of different production you know little bits and bobs and weird noises and shit and it's really fun to play with that so lost had lost had some additional production on it by okay um, tracy breaks and just some really cool stuff that we that adds some different it just makes it feel a little more collaborative to be honest so yeah right. that's, that's kind of a fun thing as well yeah and especially if you're in this position which you guys are of, of constantly kind of trying to push the limits and you know, do something new, you know, there's uh, the most creative person in the world only has so many ideas. Uh, yeah, de- exactly. And I also think age being aware of, I mean, I'm not 50, but I mean, we are not 19 year olds, you know what I mean? So it's like being, it's not necessarily like, it's not necessarily trying to get a young sound. It's not that it's more just collaborating with, um, younger musicians is it is inspiring and keeps you on your toes you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's, it's it's more that for me it's like just keep keeping your keeping in touch and not letting yourself like just i think the more distant you become from new new up-and-coming people making music the more easy it is to just revert into your shell and become become you know start to do the same thing again it's like you all yeah, these things you yeah, to pr- protect yourself from getting into like a little cycle where you're just. Right. Um, so I feel like I feel like that's really helped us just being open to collaborating and giving giving someone something and saying 
give us just do whatever with it do whatever you would do with it and then we take it and to be honest we we always end up it, it ends up getting pulled back into a bring me the horizon song anyway um but you just it just can can give you some interesting ideas and different perspectives on it so i i feel like it's almost like you've kind of come full circle of you know you worked with outside producers before you were in the band quite a bit and then you and ollie sort of took on that role and now maybe you've brought in the circle a little bit more to bring in some other people who you guys are still the producers at the end of the day. I guess, yeah, I guess so. That is, I mean, especially on these records, because they're all different. I think it gives, it's, it's, it makes sense for us to be like, okay, let's, let's use people. Like, for example, this, this record we're on now, we're wanting a bit of a hyper pop kind of influence. It's like, well, there's, there's people who we can, collaborate with right who again i mean i can i can do that stuff but also there's people who can who do that who exclusively do that stuff i don't I'm, i don't exclusively do that stuff so it's like we can and it's like okay if we're going to do if the third record is going to be really electronic i mean I'm, there's so many electronic producers who i love who would be interesting to work with the fourth record if we're going to do something really heavy it's like we you know we've we've, we've worked with mick gordon before he makes right. the heaviest sounding shit ever. Yeah, you're but, not going to do Mick Gordon better than Mick Gordon does Mick Gordon. No. So we'll bring him back again. Yeah, right. 100%. Right. Maybe. Cool. Well, uh, I know it's late for you. I will let you go, but thank you very much for your time. And uh, hopefully I will see you guys when you come through Seattle. Hey, you. Did you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget, and we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.